Hi, everyone. Welcome to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. This episode features Joe Schatz. Joe has a storied background, having spent years working for the federal government, including four years as CISO for the Executive Office of the President at the White House. He currently serves as Managing Principal of Cybersecurity Strategy and Operations at TechCentrix. He was also recently our first 2020 keynote speaker at the Transformational CISO event in Phoenix, Arizona. Tune in to hear Joe share his story and what he's looking for in the world of cyber this year. Thank you so much for delivering an awesome keynote speech last night. Really did serve as a catalyst for further discussion throughout the rest of the event. So we really thank you for being here. A few questions for you. Um, Can you tell us uh, a bit more about your career in cybersecurity and what ultimately led you to TechCentrics? Yes. So first of all, thank you for hosting me here for Millennium uh, Millennium Alliance. This has been a a great event. Um, Reaching out to the private sector, as I said last night during my keynote, I've usually been in the shadows with the government, staying behind the scenes and everything else, and don't usually network too far out of my circles of trust, so to speak. So this has been great, uh, bridging those gaps and uh, giving some lessons learned to the to the private sector and some other security experts in their uh, for their businesses. Um, so what actually led me to TechCentrics? Uh, I was in the Air Force all the way back uh, pre-9-11, and I was a Korean linguist and graduated uh, from the Defense Language Institute with Korean. Uh, 9-11 happened, and I actually had a security clearance at the time, and the Air Force, with the needs of the Air Force, uh, said, well, we need more intelligence analysts. So the Air Force taught me how to um, exploit email, exploit cell phones, exploit uh, web pages uh, for the good of our country, and I did that for the rest of my Air Force career. When I got out of the Air Force, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I took my skills and actually went from the offensive side or the, the vulnerability assessment side of things to uh, the defensive side. So I did some contract work for the Air Force, uh, and I actually helped draft the first uh, for the Air Force, uh, the analyst uh, course for teaching how analysts to defend the networks. So it was a very big win. And uh, one day out of the blue, I got a call from the United States Senate and they said, uh, would you be interested in helping us stand up our and assisting our cybersecurity program? Uh, so this was 2000, uh, summer of 2009. So transplanted the whole family from San Antonio, Texas to Washington, D.C., and uh, the rest is history. I uh, um, stood up the incident response program, did malware analysis. Uh, and one of the, the big things that I did, uh, much like you guys are doing here, is I started networking like crazy. So... One thing that is extremely unique about being in the the legislative branch versus the executive branch, because most people think, well, it's the federal government. Well, there's three separate branches and there's three separate uh, uh, separations of power to the Constitution. So everything that DHS and National Security Agency and uh, all these other agencies are doing for the executive branch, nobody's helping out the legislative branch. So I bridged these gaps and I started um, uh, externally hosting the U.S. Senate cyber collaboration. So... Uh, we had, uh, at the peak of these meetings, and I would do them uh, monthly, uh, I think we had 133 people represented from 33 agencies across all three branches of government. And what we learned there is the same stuff that I was seeing at the Senate, I knew a certain actor would be either seeing at NASA or seeing at DHS or seeing in the U.S. courts. And uh, just building that collaboration at the analyst level uh, all the way back in the uh, early or mid-2000s, 9 2010 time frame was huge uh, and as a result of that uh, the work I did there 
then they started having me brief senators and committees and all the threats and the stuff that we were seeing. And uh, it got to the point where uh, Senator McConnell and Senator um, Reed staff, so the Republican and Democrat leaders for the Senate, started calling me the voice of doom. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. So I was at the Senate for almost six years doing cybersecurity and uh, discovering all these hackers and zero-day vulnerabilities and uh, getting credit for a lot of it. Uh, and it was all operations and tactical, so I wanted to try something different. Uh, so there was during the government shutdown, uh, Department of Treasury call, uh, contacted me, and they said, uh, we have a position open in the Office of Critical Infrastructure Protection, and it's more on the policy side of things, but it's taking your skills and everything that you have built over at the Senate and helping the private sector with the financial services. Uh, so I went over there, and then I got detailed uh, to the National Cyber Investigative Joint Task Force, uh, doing a lot of these investigations from the Treasury as the Treasury Task Force Officer, so assisting with the target breaches, assisting with uh, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and then uh, additionally they helped me be the uh, technical expert for the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., uh, CFIUS, and we were looking at national security threats to U.S. companies when they were being acquired by an, uh, a, a foreign country or a foreign company. Um, so as a result of that, um, there may or may not have been something that happened in 2014 at the White House. And uh, just by fate, I got a call one day. I said, hey, we really need your help. We really need to use what you have learned and what you've built at all these different places to help us out and retool and re, uh, restaff uh, the cybersecurity program at the White House. So I was there for four years. And uh, during my four years there, we didn't have one breach. Uh, we retooled the White House. We restaffed the White House. Um, and four years is like working in dog years at the White House. Uh, so it is long hours, a lot of stress. I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I just, it's 17 years of federal service, and I wanted a, a new challenge, and I wanted more time with my family, my, my wife and kids. Uh, so my former boss at the White House started this company, Techcentrics. He's like, come on over, let's be a partner. This is exactly what you want to do. And uh, so now we're helping private sector clients using our skills that we have had acquired at the, the White House and all these other agencies to help others build their programs and protect their staff. Because as I said last night, this is nothing political. Security is not political at all. Uh, everybody needs to be doing it and everybody needs to be doing it, uh, taking it seriously. And the only way we're going to be better and have a better cyber ecosystem is if everybody contributes and everybody that attended uh, this alliance, uh, the Millennium Alliance uh, event, um, is here for the same reason. Awesome. I mean, you've just got a great story. You have an incredible past. And what are some of the cybersecurity concerns at the front of your mind for uh, for this year in 2020? So obviously, uh, the big one that comes to mind is the elections. And I kind of touched on this last evening. Uh, you have DHS that has supposedly overarching uh, authorities to help and assist with all these, uh, the, the election uh, for the at, the at the federal level. However, federal elections are all done at the states and at the counties and, and whatnot. And everybody's doing it different. There's not mm -hmm. one standard. By the time the government comes with a st comes out with a standard, it's already light years uh, behind because it's not done in cyber speed with legislation. Uh, so the elections is a is a very large concern of mine. Uh, the second is what I see as tensions are building up with Iran. Uh, Iran, as we know publicly, with the Sands Casino, what they did in Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. with Saudi Aramco, uh, they have destructive capabilities, and. It, Tensions continue to escalate. I do fear 
for U.S. critical infrastructure, specifically ICS systems, the electric grid, water systems, stuff like that. And I think uh, we will see at some point, maybe not this year, hopefully not this year, uh, cyber go kinetic. So taking something from cyber and having real-world kinetic effects uh, against the United States. Wow. Thank you for that feedback. A little bit of a side note. Um, do you see a trend in cybersecurity issues your clients have, and are they uh, generally legitimate concerns? So I think uh, everybody has the same concerns and same uh, same issues. The, the, the issues that I'm trying to tackle is, one, especially for my clients, is protecting all that data. Where are the, the crown jewels? As we've heard uh, numerous times here, everything is moving to the cloud. So how do we control and have exclusive control over that data that's in the cloud? What are those crown jewels? Where is that the IP for, for these clients? Mm-hmm. And how do you protect that? So that's what I think is. What okay, what great. Appreciate that. Um, kind of going back to um, the uh, the White House for a second. What is or um, was one of the most interesting projects that you worked on that you're able to share with us uh, during your time working for the White House? So I worked on uh, several different projects at the White House. We stood up the first uh, insider threat program. We did the ban on cell phones. And for me, uh, the largest thing that I think we had the most impact on for our country was securing foreign travel. Uh, and the reason for that, we created a, a process, at least on the, the security side of house, if somebody was traveling overseas, they would have to request their devices be approved. Mm-hmm. And we got the sign off from lawyers, or from the legal team, all the way up through the chief of staff. If somebody does not follow that process and we detect them overseas coming in from somewhere they're not supposed to be, we have the authority to kill the device, we have the authority to wipe the device. Uh, and then additionally, on presidential travel and first lady travel, vice president's travel, we actually were sending a security team not only with the president or with the vice president, but also on the advanced team to help get a scope on uh, the different threats. And we got to the point where we were briefing so many of the, the senior staff that they in turn were telling us when something was anomalous or something was wrong, not only with their personal phones or with their with their government phones. Uh, and then also with foreign travel, we got to the point where we got uh, we're banning uh, personal devices entirely. Wow. And uh, cabinet secretaries, Secret Service, and the military were all following suit. So being able to put it in a policy and actually enforce that policy, uh, I think is a huge win. I think it's, it's carrying on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for that feedback. So um, at the Millennium Alliance, we are uh, proud for uh, partnering with the National Registry of CPE. So we, have, we offer CPE credits at our, at our events. I wanted to ask you, how do you approach continued education? And do you recommend uh, any resources or tools for today's CISOs? So yes, uh, events like this, uh, the Black Hats of the world, the RSAs of the world, uh, those are all excellent. And then also uh, networking, 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 networking. Uh, and then you can always learn something from somebody else. And then whatever technology somebody may be using, see what you can learn about that and get the, the, the certification and uh, uh, the accreditation that you need. Sure, I would agree with that. It's one of the main um, reasons we bring uh, all you guys together under under one roof. It's a rare thing, and uh, and we work we work pretty hard at it. So so glad you were able to make it. Last question: um, What would what have you taken away from participating in the Millennium Alliance Assembly? Uh, so for me, I didn't think uh, what well one uh, so many people with diverse backgrounds coming here, sharing a lot of the same problems that really have not changed that much significantly. We're facing privacy, threat intelligence, and securing the human. And we're, we're still seeing this all across the board. And hearing the problems and hearing it from the private sector point of view uh, was enlightening to me and uh, to make so many contacts. I think it was, it was very uh, big for me. 
Cool. Yeah. Diverse perspectives. And hopefully we did a good job bringing the right people. I think you did a, a great job. That's awesome. Thanks so much for saying that. And, uh, you know, obviously we hope to see you at future events. And uh, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate I think that's it. a wrap. Thank you very much. You got it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to listen and subscribe to our podcast exclusively on iTunes and SoundCloud to get the inside scoop from top execs in the world of digital transformation. 